Hey, Stranger Rangers, this is Bree. This is Patina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. All right, everyone. We are getting ready for the holidays. Uh, All right, everyone. We are getting ready for the holidays. Uh, Yes. I mean... They're coming in fast and furious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can't even believe we're in November, but this is this is going to come out the week of Thanksgiving. So I hope not to ruin any of your appetites. If you're using this for while you're cooking, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um, we are recording, I think, two episodes today. So we are, um, if we can, hopefully... I, try not to make a promise but we'll see if we can have an early episode for patreons this week so if you do have a lot of time to spend cooking or anything like that here in the u.s for thanksgiving you will have some material to listen to yes so without further ado the first case that i'm going to tell you about some of you might have seen it actually both of the cases that we'll be covering today are pretty recently or they wrapped up pretty recently which is um which is nice a lot of cases were delayed because of covid mm-hmm. but, um, but for both of these cases or at least this first one it wrapped up this year so we are going to san diego county in california for this one nice so for anyone that is interested in where this uh county is in in california it's on the southern side of california it's really close to the border of mexico it is um very populated it has some beaches very nice town Mm. and it's um you know some well-to-do people stay there because of its proximity to both the ocean and some some hiking as well as uh, if they want to go to mexico i already have i always have this really flighty um recollection of where San Diego is in California. And I'm always re-shocked when I look at a map and I'm like, it's literally in Mexico. Like yeah, it is a hop, is, skip, and a jump from the border. If you're looking at the the picture of California, it's right on the bottom left corner of mm-hmm. California. And I always picture it on the northern side for some reason. Right. And then I'm like, no, no, it's right at the bottom. So uh, this is where this case took place. This is a story of Jade Jenks. And um, I laugh at Jenks because <laughs> um, when I went to college, we had a, a friend who was like from the from the Bay Area and he would say everything was janky. And so at some point we started calling him Jenks because that's just like that was his word. That was his uh-huh. thing. Um, but then when I came across this case, I was like, Jenks, oh, that is someone's last name. Maybe I'll stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jade Jenks uh, was born and raised in California. When this all happened, she was 37 years old. She grew up in a home with her mom and her dad, Jenny and Steve. And when she was about 14 years old, I think a little bit earlier than that, her parents uh, divorced and she was staying with her mother. And when she was 14, her mother married a second husband named Tom Merriman. And this was in 1995. She was 14. 
Um, eventually, Tom and her mom had another kid who was her half brother. His name was Cash. And as she was growing up, she did have her dad present in her life. And her dad, I believe, did something in building or construction. And as um, she got older, uh, her brother went to school for psychology and she followed a different path in life where she wanted to work with her hands and she wanted to also incorporate some artistic stuff into it. So eventually she found her way as a as an interior decorator, an interior designer. Oh, nice. Super cool job. Um, she was very good at it too. Uh, she eventually, you know, with some time became a multimillionaire wow. um, with what she was doing because she was helping people with the entire process from building a house to helping them decorate the houses. So she was in a very lucrative, lucrative business. She was a graduate of San Diego, the Mesa College, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when she got a little bit older, um, now at this point, when she was 37, she had built a very good relationship with her stepdad, Tom Merriman. Um, her parents, or sorry, Tom and her mom divorced in 2002. Okay, so her mom so, remarried and then divorced yes. the second husband. But she has a sibling from mm-hmm. Tom, so she stayed very close with Tom. They had a really good father-daughter relationship and he called her daughter no one if you know anyone met them later in life they knew no different they thought that she was his daughter and same with her she would refer to him as dad although she did have a biological dad who was present Mm -hmm. and that she also had a very good relationship with she didn't differentiate between the two it's just both of them were dad sure now tom in his life um he after you know he divorced with Jenny and um, continued on with his life, he stayed in San Diego. Um, he did have some struggles in life. Um, he struggled a little bit with alcoholism and mm. with abusing sleeping pills. Ooh, yeah. Um, some good things, and not to try and and soften any part of this, but it's it's kind of cool. It's a fun fact. Tom Merriman owned and operated a butterfly farm on his property which is super cool that's precious that's a pretty cool job that is a to have super cool job yeah eventually as he got older um he started having more heart and liver problems and he just needed a little more caretaking from his family and one of the family members that took to care for him was jade she bought the house next to him, quite literal next door neighbors with her dad, with her stepdad. Uh-huh. And so she would um, come over and cook for him, care for him, take him to doctor's appointments. And the neighbors confirmed that this is, you know, they saw her over all the time and they had a really good relationship. She would always help him get to the car and whatnot. So for all intents and purposes, she was a caretaker and just happened to live next door. Sure. So back in, so on December 23rd, 2020, so we're in the middle of COVID. This is all, you know, the world was a little upside down at this time. A little bit. A little bit. In December, it was starting to, I, I think we had beat the curve or flattened the curve or whatever. Right. You call it. But um, at this point, December 2020, um, at some point in the early, earlier part of December, 
Tom had a bad fall. Don't know much about the fall. Uh, so I don't know how it happened, where it happened. It might have happened at home. I'm not sure. I couldn't find more about it. But we know he had these underlying issues as well as the heart and his liver. Um, and I don't know if he hurt his hip or I don't know if like a shoulder or something like that. But he ended up in the hospital. And after what I believe would have been a surgery, he ended up in a rehab place for two weeks. Like, like for like physical rehabilitation. Yeah. Okay. Like a around the clock care rehabilitation Mm -hmm. for the injuries or post-surgical care. Sure. So he was in the hospital for those two weeks while he was in the hospital, Jade, and I'm assuming she either had a key to his house or knew the combination, depending on the kind of lock that he had, right. went over to his house to clean up while he was in this rehab place. So on December 23rd, which is, you know, right before Christmas, mm-hmm. while he was in the hospital and she was cleaning around the house, she accidentally bumped the mouse for his computer. Well, she bumped it. You know, it's not accidental, but she bumped it. Sure. And the screen that had been dark and off suddenly came on and she saw a screensaver. The screensaver was of a female's chest. Unclothed. Uh, Okay. (laughs) A naked pair of breasts. She was stunned and realized they were hers. Oh, no. What? She, I don't know if he didn't have a password or if he had a password. Either way, she found herself in his computer. She found some folders that had hundreds of pictures of her. And they were all separated by body parts. Oh, my. That is. That jerked you one way. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. What? I, like, okay, dude, like, whatever. Have boobs yeah. for your screensaver. Sure. But your caretaker, ex-stepdaughter. Still stepdaughter. I mean, no, like, sure. Like, so, and some of these pictures were dating back to the time when she was 16. Oh, my God. People are so gross. She was absolutely taken aback by this. Yeah. There's later testimony of her saying that she felt disgusted in her own skin. Yeah. She felt uncomfortable. She was scared. She started sleeping with a knife under her pillow, even though he was at rehab, Mm -hmm. thinking he would come back and do something if he realized that she found these pictures, that she had found these pictures. I mean, you would just feel like all sorts of different senses of like betrayal. Yeah. So these pictures, I could not find for the life of me how he would have come to have possession of them. Right. But most of the pictures or a lot of the pictures were that she had taken herself to send to previous boyfriends. Okay. So I don't know if there is the technology where he would have intercepted them. I don't know if there was any, this is where my brain goes. I don't know if there was like an online catfish type of situation where he was Mm. pretending to be a younger guy or a younger boy. Um, 
and or if he had access to her cell phone or an iPad or, you know, something that would have connected him and he would have had access to these pictures. I don't know. That's never been explained how he would have gotten these pictures. But even scarier is that some of the pictures seem to be from a hidden camera from showers and bedrooms. Okay. And that's what I was initially thinking, like where and how did he get these? But um, you said that this was like in the nineties though, right? 2020. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Then iPads and all of that yep. stuff definitely were a thing. I was thinking Dude. like Canon digital camera, right. SIM card, <laughs> like girl, don't no. be uploading those on the family. <laughs> Right, right. Desktop. <laughs> but it could have been something like that where if they had a like a shared cloud situation. Sure. It could have been that. Right. And so December 31st came around, and that was the day that he needed to be picked up from the rehabilitation place. Mm-hmm. So she went and picked him up. There are neighbors that say they did see him in the front passenger seat of the car when he was supposed to be home and at some point they did see her help him I believe to the car so I don't know if they got out at one point and got back into the car to Mm -hmm. fill a prescription or something like that Uh, but they saw him walking towards the car with a walker and they didn't think much of it because they knew that he had a couple problems with Mm -hmm. his health and he had just been away for two weeks for rehab So Jade picked him up and then what she's saying happened is that he took Ambien um, that was prescribed to him. Yeah. And then while he was in the car, he was complaining of being in pain and whatnot. So he also took some of her medication. And I'm going to fast forward here a little bit and then come back to December 31st. But on January 1st, uh, at around 4, 4 p.m., there is a call that the 911 dispatchers receive and they say that the person that calls is Adam Siplak. And this is an ex-boyfriend, now just a male friend of hers that calls and says, I'm not sure what's happening, what happened, but I'm pretty sure this guy's dead and you guys need to come do a welfare check on him. Dang. So on January 1st, brand new day of the year, 2021, the police dispatch some officers out to his house to do a welfare check. Go to the house. They're walking up to the driveway. They walk past a a pile of of trash on on the driveway, but they see her pulling out next door. So they see her, they pull her over and they take her into the station for Mm -hmm. further conversation. She does, she says that she does not know where Tom is, that as far as she knows, she picked him up from the rehab center and took him home and he should be at home as far as she knows, uh, but she has not seen him since. So this is just about 24 hours after him being discharged from the rehab. Right. So they let her go. They don't know where Tom is. Uh, this call from Adam Siblack just seems a little bit off because there's nothing there's really no physical evidence right off the bat that says he would be in any danger um and no reason to because that's his daughter to question her 
And that Adam guy said, I think he's dead. Right. Or whatever. So on January 2nd, the officers still cannot get, make contact with Tom. So they go to his house again. And one of the officers, as she is walking up the driveway past this pile of trash, she realizes that this trash is actually covering something mm-hmm. on the driveway. The pile of trash is a bunch of empty boxes. There's also um, just regular house trash there, too. As soon as she pulled one box back, she realized there was a body underneath it. That was Tom Merriman. Oh, my gosh. So immediately they just walked on over next door and they arrested her for murder. Wow. She clammed up. She did not speak to any officers. So there is no further, there's no second interrogation tape of her. Mm -hmm. She got a lawyer right away. So what she is saying happened is that when she picked him up from the rehab, that they went to the store because she was picking up some items for a project that she was working on. Mm -hmm. The items that were found in her vehicle were a piece of red rope, gloves, and black and green spray paint, as well as some towels that had been tied together as to form some kind of rope. Mm-hmm. And she had the receipt for those items in, in, in her car as well. She bought them at a store called Dixieland. Dixieland, sorry. I believe it's like a hardware store or maybe a mixed kind of store. Yeah, sounds like it. So they immediately took in Tom to do an autopsy. And although there was not a lot of physical evidence, they could tell that by the pool of blood around his face, he had been dead for quite a bit, some time already for a couple of hours at the minimum. Sure. The official cause of his death was ruled an overdose on Solpidem, which is the generic brand of Ambien, sleeping pills, sleeping medication. Okay. As they dug it a little bit further into Jade and what she'd been doing and, you know, did she have a motive or what was happening and, you know, did she kill Tom? They found her cell phone, which was a gold mine of information. She had been busy texting people and some of the things that were on her cell phone. So she contacted Alan Roach 11 minutes after him being discharged after Tom has been discharged from the rehab center. Right. And told him, I just dosed the hell out of him. Okay. We don't say those things over text message. (laughs) Yeah. And then she said, stopping at Dixieland to stall, let me know. So to stall, she was asking Alan to come over Mm. to help her. Like move the body, probably, because he was going to be totally knocked out. She she then says, he's waking up. I really don't want to be the one to do this. And then she says, I'm about to club him on the head and he's waking as he's waking up. Next text message says, I'm not strong enough. He is very aware now and I am on my own. And then says, I can't carry him alone and I can't keep a kicking body in my trunk. Oh, my God. So Alan was someone that 
the police detectives came to call the fixer because mm-hmm. at one point he texted her and saying before all this happened that he could fix anything. So Alan that night, December 31st, couldn't make it out. So he sent a buddy of his named Brian Solomon. Brian got there and realized what was happening. There was a man slumped over on the passenger seat of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And he said he wouldn't help her. He later testified that Jade told him, all you have to do is bring him inside and I'll take care of the rest. He's like, no, ma'am. No, thank you. I don't want to be any. Yeah. Good job. And then after Alan, the fixer didn't come. Alan's friend, Brian Solomon said, hell no, I am out of here. That's when she called the ex-boyfriend, Adam Adam Siplak, for the same reason, saying, I need help bringing him in or like carrying him in. So her story is that, yes, she found the pictures. Yes, they were disturbing. No, she had no actual... She did not want to kill him. She That was never her plan. And that when she picked him up from rehab, he took those pills himself. And he also took some of her pills. And then when they got home, um, and then by the time that they got home, he was so out of it that she just needed help getting him into the house. Mm-hmm. When she realized that he was so out of it, and that's why she had been calling people to help her carry him in, not because he was already dead. But then when they got home and she realized that he was really slumped over and he wasn't coming to, she realized that he maybe just needed to sleep it off because he had taken so much Ambien. And in the uh, backseat of her car, it was full of pillows and blankets where she said she let him sleep it off. When she came out on January 1st to check on him, to wake him up, she grabbed his leg and realized it was ice cold. And then she tried to pull him out of the car and as far as she could get him was the driveway. And then when that was obviously futile because she could not carry this grown man inside, She covered him up with garbage um, and then really didn't have a plan after that. Um, Other than she reportedly did go back to like this rehab center that he had been at Mm -hmm. and requested the use of a wheelchair. And she picked up a wheelchair from them. And she did actually pick one up from them. Okay. So the detectives are now thinking that she obviously did have plans to continue moving the body right um with the use of this wheelchair oh so trial took place in september of 2022 so just last year she did take the stand herself oh wow and this was to try and explain her version of events where she's saying it was all an accident that he took the pills himself and that she didn't want she wasn't trying to kill him and she didn't kill him um the detectives actually brought forth some evidence that looked pretty freaking terrible Mm -hmm. um apart from also her text messages but the pill pack 
where the pills were for the Ambien, it only had her DNA in it on it. So oh, it proved that he didn't pop them out of the container. Right. Uh, there was a bag, like a plastic shopping bag that had her DNA on the outside of it, his DNA on the inside of it, which the detectives think that's what she used to suffocate him. Yeah. They argued at the beginning that they believe she strangled him with the rope that she had or whatever. Um, But even the prosecution's detectives or um, experts said that there was no real evidence of strangulation. Um, And that might be attributed to him being on Ambien and already having depressed breathing. So it really wouldn't take that much to make someone stop breathing altogether. Yeah, it wouldn't take that much. But then if still, even if she was really trying to strangle him, regardless of, you know, the conditions of his breathing, you would have some form of like ligature or bruising or something that would have come up on the autopsy. Right. At the very least. And his, um, again, his official cause of death was the overdose on the Ambien. Right. And it just takes four pounds of pressure to stop someone's breathing without them having any medication on them that's already having depressed breathing. So it would take very little to make someone who's on drugs stop mm-hmm. breathing. Um, she also testified that um, on his computer, the screensaver ended up being a slideshow of these pictures. Oh my gosh. Um and in 2023, so I believe it was like in March of this year, she was found, well, she was found guilty. And this year she was sentenced to 25 years to life. Wow. Yeah. So it's, um, obviously he's not an innocent person in all of this. No. Um, I don't know that she, um, Obviously, she didn't think all of this through. But oh, I not think, at all. I think she definitely had a hand. Whether or not she freaked out that that night of or that morning of, and if her story was true, she had many opportunities to call nine one one, to call the ambulance, um, to try and and get him help, and there was no help that was brought to him. Um, because you know, had she not been trying to cause him harm, a nine one one call when he's not being responsive that night of, instead of getting him pillows to sleep in the car, mm-hmm. you could have mm-hmm. done something to try and help him if you were truly not trying to cause him harm. So I don't know if this was a, a case of, well, shit, you're dying. I'm gonna let you die because of what you did anyway, <laughs> right? Or I'm going to kill you, right? Either well, way. And forgive me, I've been up since 4 a.m., but did did you say something about that there was um, blood around him when they uncovered the trash? So it's like, okay, well, that had to have happened at some point. And if you didn't hit him, maybe he was being drug out of the car and then his head 
hit or or whatever. You dropped you his know? head while you were trying to drag him or something like that. Right. I think that's what the drug could uh, the, the drug, sorry, the blood could be attributed to. Because I don't mm-hmm. think there was any mention of him being, you know, struck with anything or her using anything with force. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. And I mean uh, her her version of the story from the get-go sounds some of it sounds a little off or weird or whatever, but definitely something believable. But then you throw in right. the text messages, everything that you were saying to um what what did they nickname that guy? The the fixer. Uh, the fixer. So everything that she was texting him, and it's like no, girl, you don't really have much of a case. As much as I feel for you, you know, you stumble upon naked pictures of yourself on your stepdad's computer. That's unimaginably disgusting. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just did not really think out your plan very well at all. So this is what the trash pile looks like. It's just a bunch of boxes that were in the driveway let's see if i can show you guys this yeah i'm interested in that because that had to be quite a decent pile of trash to cover a full-grown man yeah that's a lot of trash a lot of trash and to imagine that the detectives the first time around just walk straight past it yeah yeah Oh my gosh. Crazy. Yeah. So he was, um, so she's, uh, yeah, the, sorry, the impact statements given at the, at the trial for the sentencing. I I don't know on those. I could go back and forth. Obviously no one deserves to die. No one should be killing anyone. Sure. Um, and, and her dad came to her defense a little bit, um, saying that, you know, this was a miscarriage of justice because of the trauma that she had just recently been put through and mm-hmm. didn't, you know, she had trusted this man for so long in her life. That's not just to justify anything, but um, obviously it's a big reason why maybe all of this happened. And I totally. Know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the case of Jade Jenks um, and her stepfather, Tom. Mer- uh, wow. So um, let's see. How old was she at her sentencing? Was she like in her 30s? She's in her 30s. She was born October 14th, 1983. So she would have been let's see, yeah. 27, 40? 83. That's, yeah, that's five years older than yeah, us. Than so. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, 40. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, she knows him. She knew him since she was 14. And to have some pictures of her going back to age 16, whether or not he was taking them at that point, he still is looking at them. So he is definitely, he had um, possession of child pornography, of child sexual abuse materials. And um. Obviously, you can't convict someone who's dead, right? It's just, um, and he can't, and he's not here to to say why or where, you know, who he got them from or how he got them, right? 
which is which is a big question mark for me on how he got them. Not that it matters how he got them, um, but that's just unfortunate that she had to go through all that. And she really looked honestly, genuinely torn up when she was talking about the aftermath after she had found these pictures, how heartbroken she was because this is someone she's trusted. It's a father figure for her. A hundred percent. And these were intimate uh, pictures of her, um, at least the ones where she's over the age of 18, but the ones that she's under the age of 18, they're just... um, at that point, that's just frightening to to see that an adult has possession of those. I wonder if there's any sort of um, like statute of limitations on child pornography. Hmm. I like don't if, know. Like if she were to be able to prove, you know, these pictures were taken when I was 16 years old. I'm 40 years old now. I wonder when, if, and how you can um, pursue somebody for something like that. I, I mean, I'm hoping there's not. <laughs> right. Um, oh, yeah. And it says on the federal level, level, there is no statute of limitations for child pornography. So a person can be charged at any time. And as they should be. Yeah, <laughs> I I hate how many different things that there are statutes of limitation on. I understand where boundaries and stuff like that have to be put for. I mean, sure, for a long reason. list yeah. for of whatever reasons, but um, I'm glad that's not one of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, so that's definitely an avenue that could have been visited instead of mm. whatever actually took place um so it's uh unfortunate that it it turned out like that beautiful successful um smart young lady and yeah and her world was turned upside down in a matter of a week totally yeah wow well that was a really powerful um you know quick short case i'm gosh my head's kind of all over the place yeah. with it because I have like a lot of different, different questions and thoughts yeah. about the whole scenario. I just, I, I could not imagine myself being in that situation and finding that and not being just like completely reactive and just reactive, enraged yeah. and wanting to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I've known you my yeah. whole life. I call you, I've given you the privilege of calling you dad throughout my whole yeah. The life. betrayal of that. Yeah, totally. And, and one of the detectives said that, you know, had she been successful in getting any of these men to help her get him into bed and lay him down and then just call the paramedics a couple hours later to say, oh shit, I've, you know, went to go wake him up and I couldn't wake him up and he's cold now. Mm-hmm she would have gotten away with this. Oh, probably. Because yeah. they would have put it off to Ambien, mm-hmm. which he had just been prescribed and he had already had documented issues with. Right. He's fresh out of surgery. So I'm sure there's complications of you know all the chemistry of drugs that you're taking after something like that. Totally. So had she been able to wrangle one of these guys into helping her, um, she would have 
probably gotten away with it. But luckily, Adam called and raised the alarm and said, hey, I don't want any part of this. Right. Um, And, you know, called the police. It took him a couple of hours to mull it over before he called. But he eventually did the right thing. He did. And um, let them know that, you know, hey, they should at least do a welfare check on this guy. And, and thank goodness that they did respond so rapidly. Um, I always found it interesting, though, that, you, you know, they couldn't find him the first day, but then the second day they came through. Because right. I don't know that you normally do that. Well, I mean, maybe with a welfare check. I'm not sure. If they can't find sure. the person this, the first day, they usually chalk it up to you know, who they're an adult, wherever mm-hmm. they may be, but they might've found, I mean, her initial conversation with the, with the detectives or with the officers that were involved and took her in on January 1st was a little off. Uh, it didn't oh, seem yeah. like someone that was concerned about the person that they lived next door to for the purpose of taking care of them. So, uh, yeah, especially when you're a caretaker, like it should have yeah. just been a matter of, oh yeah, that's my stepdad. I take care of him. I have a key to his house. Let's just go Let's ahead go and go check. inside. Yeah. Yeah. So because, they knew something was off. And I think that's what tipped them off and, and luckily made them go do a second run through that second on January 2nd. Right. To make sure everything was uh, on the up and up, which it wasn't. So yeah, that's the case of Jade Jenks and her, her stepdad. Man. Well, that was a great one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Kind of tricky. I know. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because I'm like so frustrating. You could have brought in legal so fast on this one. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't know that it would have been justice, but it would have been uh cleaner for you. So well, and that's the thing. Like, not that I want people to get away with crimes, but I do feel for her as the first victim in this situation and it's like i wish you would have just helped yourself out a little bit more because i mean what goes around comes around i'm sure it would have you know not panned out in her favor in one way or another eventually but sometimes in these situations i find myself kind of like ah damn girl i know she would have just been a little bit smarter about the Mm -hmm. situation yeah. Right. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, with that, um, well, I'll lead into we're going to try to be better at social media. We've I've said it for the last couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what you think. I'm going to, uh, I think, start up posting again, maybe with this episode. Um, mm-hmm. So if you have, because I want you to see the picture of the driveway so you understand um, how insane it is that they walked past it the first day. Right. Um, so I'm going to start back up with social media. We're going to start up back up with this episode. I'm not going to try and play catch up with all the episodes in between from our last post to now, because that would be a big game that I can't That's take a big on project. right now. Mm-mm. Nope. No, ma'am. So <laughs> um, join us there uh, when we uh, post uh, about Bernic, uh, about Jay Jinx. Yes, please. Well, I hope you all, if you are celebrating Thanksgiving, eat yourself into an absolute food coma because that is my plan for Thursday. But um, as always, don't be a stranger and we will catch you on the next episode. Okay, bye. Bye.